0: Thank you Kevin and Courtney members of this family that's a lovely introductory reflection on law and grace and for those of y'all who have been here or if you're here and have missed a couple Sundays uh, we are in our third week of a series on law and grace and uh, we've talked about uh, trying to work on what is law last week and what is grace and we said uh, something like this there's seven truths about the law and I think I probably need to post this on the website, these, uh, these rounds here. But um, just re- law is any form of external command. And that r- while the law is right and true and holy, right and good and holy, it's true. It also creates the opposite of what it intends to create. It does not motivate us to keep it. In fact, it, it causes us to kind of be provoked and aggravated by the law. You have to do this. And we kind of, you know, we bow up at that. So, that demand actually always creates resistance. On the other hand, we spoke of grace a week ago and talked about what grace is in contrast to the law. Grace does what the law cannot do it, it's an enabler, it's an, a, a motivator. Grace, as defined as one way love, other centeredness, in other words, love without any conditions attached. And this one-way love becomes the change agent of life for another person. While grace anticipates no response, uh, there is hope that in love, through love, by love, grace will actually engender a right and good response of transformation. So that what happens in a life of grace as we receive it and experience, duty becomes choice. Demand, you have to, becomes desire. I want to do this. And in this life of grace, everything is naturally produced. Uh, Paul says in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, so on and so forth. What he's saying is that a life of grace and life in the Holy Spirit naturally produces the good the law seeks us to have and yet the law cannot do for us. So uh, let's uh, explore further this week and now begin to look at some practical places where grace, we would like for it to show up. And one of them would be in the family of Jesus. That's this family, sometimes called the body of Christ, other times called the church, but it's us. And um, let's talk about what grace looks like in Jesus's family. Let me get across two important premises before we go further, and what, these are both intended to help us understand uh, Jesus, Paul's work, and understand this law and grace split, this dichotomy between the two. And One of them are the words, uh, is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? You may have heard me make reference to this before. Is the law descriptive or is it prescriptive? What is the difference? Prescription is pretty much like that prescription you take to the CVS pharmacy or to Walgreens. And uh, the prescription says this, take this twice a day. It's a command. That's a prescription for your life. That's law. Description is different, radically different. And it goes, it's more like this. I exercise every day. It's a statement of who I am or what I am I exercise every day so what I do I take pills law who I am I'm an exerciser grace what I do I try to be good law who I am I am a follower of Jesus And let the rest follow from that. So that's the first thing to just think about as you live out your life. is Am I living my life out prescriptively or am I living my life out descriptively? And what grace provides for us is an avenue, a roadway through life of uh, being descriptive of who we are. And not always, 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 you have to do this, you ought to do that, you should have done that. Secondly, Paul's letters are written in two parts. And it's very easy to think that Paul is prescribing law if you only read the second half of his letters. We often do that. We did that this morning. We read from the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And uh, Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling and do this, be patient, be bear with one another. All, it all sounds like commands, commands, do this, do that. That sounds like law. But Paul of all individuals, does not want us to think in terms of law when he describes behavior of a follower of Jesus. So what Paul does is he first of all reminds us in the beginning of each of his letters what Christ has done for us in grace. And so he builds that case and says, this is what Jesus has done for us. Is there anyone who's moved by that? He's asking, if you are so moved, if there's a heart meltdown of discovery of God's love for me, for you in Jesus, then Paul says, well, this then is how you can respond to that love. That's a life of grace. So let's read an earlier part of Ephesians first before we look at the parts that we got to today an earlier part in the first part of this letter to the church in Ephesus. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, that's us, by birth, called uncircumcised by the circumcision, the Jews separated themselves from us. Just as Gentiles separated themselves from Jews, there was no loss between, there was no loss of love between the two groups. <clears throat> Remember, though, that at that time you were separate from Christ. And he may be talking about that general issue of the circumcised and the uncircumcised Jews and Gentiles and that we were separated from all the promises of God. But he also can be descriptive of our individual lives. I know a time when I was separate from Christ. I would be embarrassed to tell you some of the things I did in that time of my life as I lived separate from Christ. And so he says, well, before you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants without hope, Without God in the world, it's a terrible place to be. Many of us have been there at some time. But now, Paul goes on to say, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, oh Lord, I was so far away once upon a time in my younger days, have been brought near to the blood of Christ. You Gentiles, too, who were far away as a community, have now been incorporated into the family of Israel. And so he says of Jesus... um, It's through the blood of Christ. So it takes us right to the cross. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. How has he done this? Here we are back to the law again. By abolishing in his flesh, in his self-offering the law. He abolishes the law. Christ is the end of the law. Life's meaning is no longer found in trying to keep the law Life's meaning is found in this marvelous, rich life of grace by abolishing in his flesh the law. His purpose in abolishing the law, his purpose was to create in himself one new man, the body of Christ. We are members. We are components of that body to create one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile them to God always back to the cross, the cross of love through the cross. So there's Ephesians 2. And if one were to read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 or read Romans 1, 2, 3 and 4 and 5 or read Galatians 1 and 2 and if you were to read it uh, with all your heart centered on this or if you heard it taught properly and well, what sometimes happens, even often happens, has happened through time is an individual finally gets it. It moves from the head to the heart, and someone realizes for the first time, oh my goodness, God loves me this much. Jesus offered himself on the cross for me in all my brokenness and inadequacies and self-centeredness and self-selfishness. And Jesus, even before I even thought about turning towards him, made himself an offering for me. Oh my goodness and the heart meltdown happens and when it happens we're changed and we begin to change more and that transformation is moving into the life of grace out of the life not only of sin but out of the life of laws out of oughts and shoulds so then we get to this beautiful place where um We experience the grace of Jesus Christ, this vertical love come down. This is how your Father loves you. God so loved the world, He sent His Son. This Son would die for you for your sins. He would be nailed to a cross. This is how much He loves you. He loves us this much, stretches out His arms and dies, and we get it. And then we are motivated through grace to express this visibly in what I would call horizontal love love of others and love of ourselves. Love of ourselves as we seek further wholeness and healing in Christ for ourselves so that we can be more grace-filled as an individual. So I, I just would like to have some fun with you all a little bit this morning in a sense and uh, we've been working with these uh, sevens, uh, seven truths of law, seven truths of grace. Let me do another seven this morning and uh, do it under the letter H. Uh, H is just what uh, was given to me if you will or, what i began to work with and i ended up with seven so uh, even more than seven so here we go and what i want to do is use h to describe grace in jesus's family and some of these uh, maybe should be obvious and apparent but sometimes they're not present in a body of christ community thanks be to god i believe we have grown more and more in this area of grace at saint paul's but first of all hospitality and courtesy Something better and richer and deeper, as rich and good and deep as it is when it is called southern hospitality. This is richer and deeper because it springs from a heart of gratitude. Gratitude for what Christ has done. And the hospitality is over the top and stretches out, not just greeting someone hospitably at a doorway, but out on the sidewalk, out on the street. Think, for example, Good Samaritan. was interrupted on his way up the road from Jericho to Jerusalem others had passed the man in the ditch by hospitality he reaches out to him he puts him on his horse he takes him to an inn he pays for him to be uh, for the uh being taken care of and he tells the innkeeper if I owe you more when I come back through here I will pay the rest as well that is hospitality that is proactive and intentional we all can be thinking at any time here in this community as we greet individuals here, there, or anywhere coming into a gathering, reaching out to them at the door, Say, well, come on in. You know, Don't worry about them being late. You know, they're, they're feeling guilty and no law there. Say, so we're just glad you're here. Come on in. Hospitality and courtesy. Secondly, H describes grace in Jesus' family by hands that help. i changed the order of this a little bit. We're going, we'll do it a little bit randomly. Hands that help. These hands, they help in all kinds of ways. Hands of love, hands of touch, hands that are willing to get dirty. Another H, honor and integrity in the body of Christ. Again, something that we might take for granted, but Satan is always um, pressing on the body of Christ and wanting us to trip and stumble. So we read embarrassing articles sometimes about how the the body of Christ has been invaded. uh, uh, and a uh, corruption has come about. So, when grace is fully operative in the body of Christ, there's honor and integrity, full disclosure of finances, for example, full accountability. Uh, we have an auditor every year that looks at our books every year from you know, an outside auditor to say this is being done meet and right and well. Full accountability, honor and integrity in our dealings with individuals. That's the absence of go- gossip and the presence of truth and love and compassion towards others. Humility in human relationships. Get all these H's out here on the table. Humility in human relationships. Paul says in one of his letters, consider others better than yourself. Now that's not meant to make you feel less. It's meant to make someone else feel more. So there's a four-year-old child with a cut finger who comes to you with their cut finger in the body of Christ. And you're in a hurry. And you're about to go teach a class. Or you're about to go help lead a Beth Moore study series whatever. And uh, this little child said, look what happened. And uh, you stop. And you look down and you take the hand because you're considering another better than yourself. This is more important than that. Very important class, Beth Moore series. you're about to help lead. And so you take the fingers, oh, that is a little, you know, owie, and you, you have to kiss it to make it get better, right? And so a kiss on the finger, and maybe you go find a Band-Aid, and, and uh, you have just considered another better than yourself. That is grace in the Jesus family humility in human relationships. It goes in all kinds of horizontal ways and it's an intentional reaching out and reaching over towards others. Hope in help from above. Life is tough, the world is tough, and it is not simply that we can do this ourselves by ourselves, but that there is that vertical axis as well, that horizontal dimension and we can hope in help from above hope in help that will come in the power and gift of God's love and grace to us in all kinds of circumstances of sickness or tragedy or alienation in a relationship and there is hope in help from above and humor that heals if the community of the body of Christ is not a laughing community something is wrong thank goodness there is a abundant amount of laughter here there and everywhere in this community thank goodness even with a rector with a rather serious demeanor that he was born with and can't really help that uh you all help me break through that at times because uh there's a lot of laughter in my heart even if it doesn't appear on my in my countenance but humor does heal in a place of laughter i think of Perrin smith in his 80s in spartanburg south carolina who lost his entire business to bankruptcy because of some mishandling by younger generations and uh, held no, harbored nothing against him because he knew Jesus Christ and Christ alone and he lost everything in that business but he still had his faith and he lived and laughed and loved in that faith into his 80s and he was an artist and he said, I just know Jesus laughed and it doesn't say in the scripture anywhere where he laughs well, I know he laughed too because he told those parables and he told funny stories. And they were out there on those, uh, walking through those uh, uh, hills and valleys of Galilee and Judea. And you know there was lots of laughter when you were around Jesus. And so parents started painting portraits of Jesus with a huge laugh on his face that was sold at the annual bazaar. And uh, he couldn't paint enough of them for people to get, you know, because everybody wanted one. I wanted one too, and I'm happy to say I have one hanging in the, on my office wall in honorable memory of Perrin Smith, who declared, of course Jesus laughed. Humor that heals and Holy Spirit happenings. We love the Lord God, our Father. We love the Lord Jesus, our Savior. And the community where grace is evident, the Holy Spirit is manifested. Things happen. The book of Acts says it's like signs and wonders. That's what the book of Acts calls it. Signs and wonders. It's not just healing. It's transformation. It's people having scales fall from their eyes. It's things going on that are good and meet and right. You'll see a a video in a few minutes before the end of the service of ministry in Haiti. and You'll just sort of be moved by the the signs and wonders of a community as we reach out there in grace uh, and do that work and yet again prepare for travels there. Okay, so all those H's, hospitality, honor and humility, hope and hands and humor and Holy Spirit. And so now we can get to the fourth chapter of Ephesians and say this, in light of what Jesus has done, as we say in the creed, for us and our salvation, considering all we have been forgiven, every wrong we have ever committed, realizing he has borne our sin upon the cross and abolished the law as a punitive means of trying to get right with God and that he has given for our transformation the promised Holy Spirit. That's his gift of grace, the promised Holy Spirit. Then, in realization of that, we can say, I want to, Ephesians 4, live a life worthy of the calling God has given me And I want to grow more and more in complete humility and gentleness, patience, or as King James Version says, long-suffering in my life and for others and with others, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, the, the body through the bond of peace. And so Paul will say, now there's a purpose for all this as you are engendered in that desire the, the wanting that uh, is engendered in that. The Lord says, and this is what will be produced. Uh, you will assist the Lord in preparing God's people, us, for works of service. And the body of Christ will be built up and strengthened. It will, be, uh, it will grow numerically and it will grow deeper spiritually. And it will be because of, what, uh, of our participation in this. And so Paul says, until finally we will all reach unity in this faith and become mature. He says it's about growth and wholeness and moving towards wholeness and maturity. And so he concludes this, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Everything we are and do and live as the body of Christ will reflect Christ-likeness, love grace faith compassion so jesus teaches this what paul what well, jesus does what paul teaches paul's re- responding to what jesus did he washes their feet a complete act of humility we get some sense of how embarrassingly um inappropriate it was by peter's reaction lord you're not gonna wash my feet and Jesus said, Paul, Peter, if you're going to be a part of me, you've uh, you got to let me wash them. But the feet are washed. He says, this is an example. Do you understand what I've done? And said, you are to do likewise if you are to be masters and lords in my kingdom. You are to be servants in my kingdom, you who are masters and lords. As I am a master and a lord, you rightly say, you are to be foot washers. And that's grace. And The Lord says, and those who choose to do that, he says at the end of the 13th chapter of John, he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. The greatest high in life is a blessed life. You will be blessed if you do them. Jesus' story is a story of perfect beauty. The last 24 hours of his life is a story of perfect beauty on display from the foot washing to the covenant established in the last supper and most highly as he offers himself on the cross for us and our salvation and Jesus in grace invites us calls us to make our story our lives a story of beauty too that's grace not law amen